James, while I was on uh, my walk with my dog, I festered over the loss last night. We were talking about this. It, 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 when you look at the score, 113 to 106, it's like, all right, that's, that's not a bad performance against the top Western Conference team. They couldn't hit threes uh, to save their life, but the story of the game is a little bit different, and the story of the game includes that 20-point lead. It includes a, 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 a time where they led by double digits uh, for quite a bit, and then you've got the variety of people out the, the, the um, uh, the Nuggets were missing people. Obviously, the Kings were missing uh, Mike Brown and, and, and DeMontis Sabonis. And I guess we'll start there. No, you know, no shoot around today, but do we have any update on either of those two's availability today? Yeah, we don't have anything on Mike Brown. I'm going to guess he's going to be out until the weekend. Um, and as far as DeMontis, he's questionable. The same thing he was listed as yesterday. But now the Nuggets have a bunch of guys who are listed as questionable as and well. Br- it, Bruce Brown left... And he didn't come back. No, no, bad and ankle sprain. So that's that's this probably a high probability he's he's out questionable. But so is Murray. Murray's questionable uh, with load management, basically in his knee. Mm. Um, and then uh, kind of Aaron Gordon is is questionable again, who didn't suit up and play. Uh, although he was getting like a, a sweat on in, in pregame. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he played. Okay, uh, I would probably put him as more likely to play than the other two. Whether that matters that much, I'm not sure. Like, you know, this is – it's a really good team. The Denver Nuggets are a really good team. And, like, we can talk about storylines when it comes to, like, 20-point leads and stuff. But you can see as soon as that hit 20, uh, Michael Malone called a timeout, like, read his guy the riot act. Mm-hmm. And within, like, 45 seconds, it was a 12-point game. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was one of those 20-point leads that didn't – Kenny outlined it earlier. It was yeah. three turnovers and a missed shot. Yeah, that got yeah. that 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 the Kings had on those possessions that got the the, the twenty point lead. It went, it went, yeah, it went from forty four twenty four to forty six thirty four. Yeah, I mean it's almost identical to this seventeen to ten run to finish the game. Hmm. It's just like three turnovers and and a missed shot, and next thing you know, you're down seven, mm-hmm. you're down nine, and you're in trouble. Did those three turnovers belong to one player? Two of them did for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think last night it's one of those games where you're reminded of so many different things. And just like it's one of those nights that I think is is sort of defining. Number one, I'm not sure why De'Aaron Fox played 30 minutes. Like I I think that that was um, a young coach who who just Mm -hmm. like he had people in his ear like having helping him switch out players and stuff and whatever happened there. There was no reason to sit De'Aaron Fox and in the mid fourth quarter for a minute or two that that's just, I don't know why they've done that a couple of times this year, but it takes him out of rhythm. Mm -hmm. It takes him out of what he's doing. And when you're in an an intense game and it's like back and forth, you need a guy 100% all the way in and he's your guy. I mean, playing 30 minutes, he easily could have played out the entire stretch. I don't care about how many consecutive minutes. If you're worried about that, call a timeout. And you know you've got TV timeouts coming anyways. There's mm-hmm. always a TV timeout right around that six-minute mark. Those are three-minute bursts. Like, he can get his his breaks right there. So I'm going to say that that's part of it. Um, but also, like, Vlade Divac is in the building, you know, sitting courtside with Vivek and for a little while with Monty McNair. While he's doing that, Luca is off somewhere scoring 60, <laughs> grabbing 21 rebounds and dishing out 10 assists. And having the greatest comeback in the final 30 seconds of a game in the history of the NBA. 
And you're just reminded of all of these things, like with Demonis Sabonis out. <laughs> well, not to mention the guy who was lighting them up on the floor at the Golden One Center last night. Well, yes. I mean, yeah, he was incredible. Jokic was incredible. No, not uh, that oh, guy. Michael Porter Jr. Right. Again, <laughs> that <Michael> one. <laughs> Jr. You, you know, I'll give I'll give Lottie a break. He really loved Michael Porter Jr. Right. They got his medicals and like. No, I get it. Yeah, I, I, I get it. I, mean, I was told very specifically after seeing his medicals, they wouldn't have taken him in the second round. Like, and that kind of proved out. I, I mean, I was told sorry, <laughs> I said something that triggered Siri. I don't know what it was. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, when it comes to Michael Porter, like. Like, that would be there, preposterous. There's nothing they could have done there to take him. I mean, he went in for back surgery right after the draft. He's had another back yeah, surgery. He can barely walk since. at the draft. Yeah, and so these are things where you're like, okay, I get it why you didn't take him. Um, but I also think, you know, with Sabonis out, this is De'Aaron Fox's moment to mm-hmm. say, I'm Batman, I'm not Robin. Mm-hmm. And we had this moment where it's just like, look, man, we got some dude out there. Scoring 60 points in a game and backpacking his team all the way to the finish. And that's just not Against what happened. a really good New York Knicks team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, so no, I mean, interesting night. What did uh, you think would have been preposterous, by the way? You just said that, 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 that's like preposterous. If, if they were ex- exaggerating just for dramatic effect, but. Not taking Michael Porter in the second round. That would be ridiculous. You took a guy with no knees in the first round. Huh, <laughs> and true. Harry Giles. Like. That but you be... took him with the twentieth pick. You didn't take Michael Porter Jr. You would have had to take with the second pick. No, you said they said they wouldn't take him in the second round. That yeah. would be preposterous. Well, I don't know if they I... really believe that. That's really how they evaluated people. That's probably why they're not still here. He's he slid to number fourteen. I would have took him there. I yeah. would have traded back up and and took a chance on him there. No, I think that it would have been worth the risk. But you also have to realize too. You already took a risk on Harry Giles. I mean, you bring up Giles. You took a mm-hmm. risk on Harry Giles a year before. You had not played him the whole time. And in that season, you already had four rookies, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, outside of Harry Giles. You had Fox. You had Justin Jackson. You had Frank Mason. And you had Bogdan Bogdanovich who came over. So going into the 2018 draft, when you draft Marvin number two, you already knew that you were going to have a second rookie who had never played a game in Harry Giles who was coming mm-hmm. off of injury. Like, how many of those guys can you accumulate on one roster? And you can even go back to the 2016 draft where not only did they bring in three first-round picks, but they traded for Buddy Hield midseason. So mm-hmm. they had all of these young players. So I get it. Like, I, I wanted them to get back in the draft in 2018 and draft Michael Porter um, because I thought, like, the value was there and I knew how much they, they liked him. But you're also talking about redshirting a guy. And, yeah. and that's what happened with him. I mean, he, Richard, and and also I'll say on the on the whole other side of the spectrum, there's, there's no we're not out of the woods about his back con- concerns and his oh, career. Oh, not at all. Like, mm. He, you know, I hope it does. I hope he has a super prosperous career in place forever. But in a week, he could be out for some time with, with, with back injury. So I get it. I just uh, he he could have went up there with a walker. If he was available in the second round, I'd draft Michael Porter Jr. He think, damn near did. If you remember the way he walked onto the stage, he damn near needed a walker. I think he had four back surgeries before 20. Damn. Wow. It's that's either, crazy. Either 20 or 21. I My mean, that's goodness. that's crazy. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Um. Well, back to last night's game. Obviously, Michael Porter Jr. playing the way that he did. Um. 
How do you think the Kings played? Like, what is your assessment of that game overall? I thought they were gritty. I thought that they they fought, um, and they were up against a team that's much better than them without – if you're taking Sabonis out of the picture. Like, with Sabonis, you're probably still, like, a three-point underdog. Without Sabonis, you probably should have been a seven- or eight-point underdog. Hmm. And that's just – it is what it is. I mean, it's the best team in the West right now. It's a team that's been together. It's a team that's had the same coaching staff for a long time, since, what, 2017, I think, 2016, 17, with Michael Malone. Mm-hmm. That's a well-coached, well-run team. Is Rudy the first guy they've lost? What's that? Was, uh, oh, Denver. I'm sorry. Okay. Denver, what, what, wasn't Rudy Fernandez with Denver? Oh, Jordy. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Wasn't Jordy Fernandez uh, with Denver? Oh, yeah. No, he is was there. And so was Wes Unsel. No. Oh, Wes Unsel was there, too. Actually, okay. we had this great conversation with Michael Malone in pregame about, you know, like when, you, when you're a head coach, um, your assistants are thought of one way when you're a bad team or when you're a mediocre team. When you start to win then your your assistant coaches are viewed as something different. And it's, you know, like Wes, I mean, uh, like uh, Unsel was was totally thought of as just a guy who had been in the league forever and had, you know, he was Wes Unsel's son. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just kind of in the league. And, and then all of a sudden you start winning a bunch of games and he's considered the next up-and-coming coach. Uh, same with Jordy. Like, you start winning. And then he brought up David Adelman. And said, like, David Adelman's on my bench. This guy needs a, a head coaching job. He's that good. And I think it's really interesting because Malone and uh, and Mike Brown will both credit um, Greg Popovich for giving them their start, right? He's kind of the guy who discovered both of them. Of course, Michael Malone is Brendan Malone's son who is, you know, the orchestrator of the the bad boys in Detroit. So he had been around the game but really getting an opportunity. And then – uh, Michael Malone was on Mike Brown's staff for five years in Cleveland. Mm. And then that's when they discovered Jordy. And then Jordy, after Mike leaves the coaching ranks, he join- and and has his kind of years where he's not a head coach. Jordy hooks up with Michael Malone again. And then when uh, when Mike Brown got the Kings job, he reached out and said, hey, can I steal Jordy back? And I'll make him an associate head coach. And Mike said, yeah, it sounds like a, a good opportunity with good people. So I will let him go. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird how the league works in, in that way and how guys get passed back and forth and how they're all, they all know each other. They're all part of probably everyone in the league is part of Popovich's tree. Mm. Um, but then they start to have their own coaching tree, which mm. is, I think, is really cool for Michael Malone. It's really cool for Mike Brown. Yeah. That game last night, though, I was, I, I, you said they played gritty. I didn't think they played bad at all. Like, I, I thought, they played maybe about as well as you can expect without having uh, their best player or one of their best players or however you want to classify it. Um, but down the stretch, I just thought the execution uh, was frustrating for me. You know, I think it was 106-106. Kevin Herter made two free throws. Let's go uh, to get 106-106. And they fell apart after that. Gave up a wide-open three to Michael Porter. Uh, the Fox, they didn't even call it a turnover. They called it a missed shot. Uh, but that was a turnover to me. Um, that led to Jamal Murray's desperation heave Trash. Uh, at the at the end of the shot clock, got him down six. And then De'Aaron um, with a turnover to kind of mm-hmm. make it lights out. The, the execution on those three possessions alone on the offensive end, that can't happen. It can't happen. 
Yeah, it was 96-96. 96 Yeah, 96-96, and, and they finished on a 17-10 to 10 run. Um, like, you were missing Sabonis. Like, it doesn't matter how we turn it. Trey Lyles was in the game playing your center position for a good portion of the fourth quarter, mm. which, like, hat tip to Trey Lyles. I thought he was dribbling the ball like Rudy Gay, like, up around his ear half the time early in the game, and I was like, what are you doing? You, like, really loose handle. Um, but... His rebounding was spectacular. He attacked. He knew exactly what his job was to go in that game. And he's a guy that, like, if Savonis is going to miss a bunch of time, which we don't know, but if he's going to end up stringing along some some misses here, Trey Lyles is a smart player, and he's a big guy who can probably handle more five minutes than, even at this point, than Chemezi Metu can. He's not the same athlete, but he knows how to play the game. He knows how to pass. He knows how to set screens. He can shoot. He can rebound. And uh, I I thought he was tremendous. But that doesn't mean that he's as good as Sabonis. And you get to crunch time, and every game this season, pretty much, that they've been in in crunch time, Sabonis is what you're running the ball straight through Sabonis every time. Mm. And sure, you're going to have the ball in Fox's hands a bunch. But there's a big difference between Trey Lyle setting a screen or or Rashawn Holmes setting a screen and Demonis Sabonis setting a screen. There just is. And... It's going to take some time to adjust, but the fact is you don't have another Demonis Sabonis, and neither does any other team in the league, but you don't have someone else that can do what he does, and it's it's going to take some adjustment um, if he's going to be out any any length of time. We'll come back. We'll talk more about uh, Sabonis' availability and what this team might look like uh, without him. I want to ask you about Rashawn's play last night as well. And Casey, Mike Brown. We got you. We're going to talk about I got Mike. You. I don't even know what that entails, but KC <laughs> said, tell me Mike Brown, and that's what I just did. So we'll dive into all of this when we return here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320. D-Lo and KC continues streaming live on the Odyssey app. I got a lot of Kings basketball to talk about, Mike Brown, for sure. Um, but something that came across my timeline that you might be interested in, Damien, maybe you too, Jesse, I don't think James will be interested in. Sports Illustrated's top wrestler of 2022, you know who it is? It'd be absurd if it wasn't Roman Reigns. It's not Roman. Roman's number four. Top wrestler of 2022. <sighs> I, I There's don't. no definition behind this. It's just I, the list. I don't. No. They gave it to Seth. Said Seth, Seth Rollins is number one. <laughs> John Moxley, number two. Bianca, now, number three. Now, John Moxley probably should have been the, the, the That's the MJF, right? Or No, John Moxley. No, it's Dean Ambrose. Oh, yeah, Dean Ambrose. That's right. Yeah, Dean Ambrose. MJF ain't even on here. Uh, well, he was gone for a bit because they ran an angle where he was off TV, so he was, he was mm. gone for a chunk of time this year. Who did you say was number three? Bianca. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Romans four. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. Why is Seth the guy? There's no definition. Here. Oh, for goodness' just, sake. Just so it's just some random. James, who do you think is the top wrestler <laughs> of 2022? Going right back to Leap and Lenny. Leap and Lenny Bravo. That's it. There you go. That's all right. Dude, uh, Coach Patrick brought Leap up. Leap and Lenny. Co- Throw your frisbees, baby. Co- Throw Coach, your frisbees. Coach Patrick brought up Superfly Jimmy Snooker the other day. And oh, I yeah. Didn't have the heart to tell him. <laughs> That's not we got to put Superfly in a box. That should not be your favorite guy. Don't, don't say that. Put that next to the R&B singer you used to listen to. Um, I'm going to start with you, though. 
because uh, you could start the conversation. Mike Brown. Um, so we were talking about, I think we were talking to Will Z earlier. And, you know, I had brought up again, um, you know, how this team looked a little out of gas for the last week or so. And somebody in the chat, forgive me for not starring it and giving people their proper credit, but they said something to the effect of Mike Brown is kind of known for practicing guys into the ground. And I don't know how true that is or if that's the reputation or not, but it goes with the fact that these guys are going pretty hard for a long time now, even before the season. Just think about how training camp was going and how training camp was going. A lot of these guys got here early. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe a month or so before, they've been going pretty. They've been going pretty hard for a while, and that kind of lines up with the fact that, like I said, I, they look a little emotionally and mentally on. I don't want to say on e, but they they need to go to the gas station. They need to recharge up. Do you see the same thing, James? You know, Mike is he loves to practice. Like I know they even they flew into New York. And I, they had shoot around the next morning. So, like, I've never been around the team where they coach, they play as much as they do, where they have shoot around as much as they do, where their shoot arounds are an hour and a half and not 40 minutes. Like, there is a lot to, like, the question as to whether this team is, is fully 100% healthy and not a little worn out. But, you know, at the same time, like, we can't make excuses for these guys. Like, no, I, I wouldn't even call it an excuse. I'm just looking at them. Malik Malunk is like a perfect example. He looks low. He looks like he's on E right now. He does not have the same bounce. Now, the that may be the case. And what I would say is they better they got to find a way. They better find a Costco somewhere and, <laughs> and go get some gas because you you got a season to play. But they do look like they're running on E a little bit. Yeah, I mean. It's the strangest thing that I've ever that I've ever seen this season. Like if you break the season down into like six game increments, there's at least one of their top six rotational players are just just disappear for a six game stretch. Started with Harrison Barnes, you know, we got into the season and, and Kevin Herter had a stretch where he couldn't hit a bucket at all. Then we had the De'Aaron Fox situation where he just stopped mm-hmm. being able to perform at the highest level. You know, Keegan Keegan Murray had his stretch. He might have even had two stretches already. Mm. And, you know, you get to, like, now we're at Malik Monk. I I would say one of the issues that the Kings have is some of the players that they are relying on to be great on a nightly basis have never done it before for sustained 82 games. Mm. And that's not to call out a Malik Monk or a Kevin Herter or Davion Mitchell or, you know. Never been asked to. They've never been that guy before. Yeah. So it's really hard when you're a guy who's averaged 12 points a game your entire career for four straight years, and all of a sudden you need to average 17, and you need to you need to hit between 16 and 18 every single night. Mm-hmm. There can't be off nights, and these some of these guys just aren't there yet. And that's okay because, you know, you hope that year two of this team being together, bonding, uh, growing together, that you'll see that. You'll see the improvement in the next year. But we're seeing some of the growing pains of guys who are, you know, second contract guys, mm-hmm. uh, but who are young second contract guys who were major role players in their previous stops 
and they're being asked to be more of a role player. They're asking to carry more of the load, and some of them aren't able to do it. I mean, Sabonis has been able to come out each and every night and be the guy that he that you need him to be. Outside of that, I think every single one of these guys have had major highs and lows all season long. And this is a moment where somebody has to have a major high if you're going to get through this without Sabonis. And and not to interrupt you, Damian, but when I say, and I think both you guys completely understand this, when I say I think they're out of gas, it's not like they're conditioning, right? Like if you ask any of those guys right now, they'll probably all say, I feel fine. Like I'm, I'm not tired. I'm not nothing any different than any other NBA player. They'll probably say that. But it's it's the mental and emotional thing. We talk about Mike Brown and the practices and and I wouldn't say I didn't say Mike Brown to blame him. I just knew that would make me remember what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. But you talk about the way that he's, you know, uh had these guys going from training camp. And then they that that what was that November, I guess, into December. They were going hard. They were going 100 miles per hour all the way through. Like, they went hard. And, you know, mentally, emotionally, might have gassed themselves a little bit. Now, I don't think that's any different than a lot of teams out there. What separates the good teams from the bad teams or the average teams is those good teams, they find a way to lock back in fairly quickly where they're not losing four of six or, you know, five in a row or something like that. And that's what – the Kings have to figure out. They've got to figure out how to lock back in and get that second win. But all things combined, I, I thought I thought there was a lot of um, energy expended in the first month and a half, and some of it was like excited energy, like we're happy, we're lighting the beam, and like everything's great. Like let's go get another win. Let's like we're the talk of the NBA, and there was a lot of mental and emotional energy I thought was expended. No, I get you, and I'll even add this, like. We're talking about the pieces right now. The pieces haven't done this. This group as a whole, the the guys who have been here for years, they've never played truly, truly meaningful games late in the season. They've, and, and we're not talking about like you may or may not be able to squeak into the very, very back end. This is a, a dogfight right now. They need to know exactly where they are. I mean, there's a big difference when you're hanging around you know, 11, 10, 9, 10, 11, 12, right? And you're trying to fight to get up to that little spot. It's a whole nother situation when all of a sudden the expectations change and you're the six seed or you're the five seed and you've been in that area for a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, these kids haven't been there. Mm-hmm. Like, the, when was the last time Harrison Barnes was in the playoffs? I don't even know. Was it like 2016, two, I think. 2015, 2016? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the last time he's in the playoffs. It, and De'Aaron Fox has never been there. Rashawn Holmes hasn't been there for years. Like so many of these players, they haven't been there. And so you've got to, it's not just the individuals who haven't been there, but then you add in the fact that this team itself hasn't been there and that they're in uncharted territory each and every night because it, you know, as a collective, they just, they don't know where they're at and it's hard. Do you think expectations for this season have shifted already given the fact that they've been <laughs> yeah. lingering around? Yeah. Given 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 what the Western Conference looks like and where they've been for the better part of the year, do you think that that expectations have shifted? Yeah, I mean, I know it seems like such a fun gimmick, but the light, the beam, that's put like more pressure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah. There are a bunch of people yeah. like chanting and ready for it. 
<laughs> you know, we saw it with his, at, against LA. Is six and a half minutes left in the game, <laughs> and they're chanting, chanting, "Light the beam." Um, that adds pressure. All of this is adding pressure, and so far they've done okay with the pressure. Um, but we go back to that six-game road trip where you know I was worried that they might go one and five or two and four. Somehow they squeak out three and three. You didn't even think about the six-game homestand coming up right afterwards, which could be what buzz saws them and just cuts them down. And so far, that's exactly what's happened. You're one injury away from the wrong guy from being in trouble, but he was there when you lost to two of the worst teams in the league mm-hmm. in a week, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you let guys off the hook. And so, you know, this team needs to – they need a gut check. It's These are the dog days of the regular season, and – this is a tough time, and they've got to figure out how to get through it. Yeah. No, Play I, meaningful games. I agree. I agree. I, I um, they they just they got to figure out a way to gut it out. Some of the things from last night um, that stuck out to me. We talked a little bit about Fox or whatever. I just mentioned um, Malik Monk, and and I gotta I gotta see him play a little better basketball. This is kind of like who he is as a player, which is why. He's not like a starter somewhere or somebody's franchise player because he is a, a streaky guy, um, super talented. But sometimes, you know, he'll have moments where he just can't throw it into the ocean or whatever the case may be. I feel like he's I feel like he he's he's focused a little bit. This may sound like a bad thing. Focused a little too much on playmaking, playmaking. for others yeah. and got away from what his role is and, and what his. What his strength buckets. is. Buckets. Getting in buckets. And it, it's caused him to be a little hesitant out there is what I'm seeing. Do you see the same thing, James? I don't know. Like, I just think he's missed. Like, and, and he's a player that he he's, unlike Buddy Heald, he's not prepared for a 1-for-12 or a 1-for-13 shooting night. He He's not going to be that guy who keeps trying to shoot his way out of it. He When he's not hitting, he takes, takes a bit of a step back. And, you know, it, it's tough because you need him to be a primary ball handler, pli- primary playmaker. But then we saw Davion Mitchell really step up last night and took on that role and had nine assists off the bench. Mm, I didn't realize he had that. Yeah, yeah. He was sitting there close to a double-double the whole time. because he and, did a lot of other things that got your attention, too. <laughs> yeah, he drew the charge. Uh, he missed some shots. Um, but Threw overall, the ball away a couple of times, too. Yeah, but I think that there were a handful of guys that you just, like Kevin Herter Kevin had three Herter. turnovers mm-hmm. early in the game. They that was were that bad. second quarter stretch I'm talking about. Kevin mm-hmm. Herter had, three, I think, three of those turnovers. And again, two Trey Lyles had some really uncharacteristic plays where guys are trying to do too much. It's like you don't need to do like different things. You need to do more of what you do well, and and that's really hard because, I mean, everyone has to step up when, you're, when your star goes down. Yeah. You're listening to D-Lo, KC, James Ham here on KIFM, West Sacramento, 98.5 FM, KRX, QHD2, Sacramento, ESPN, 1320. Driven by our friends over at Lasher's Elk Grove Dodge, always live on the free Odyssey app, always available for you on twitch.tv slash ESPN, 1320, and youtube.com slash ESPN, 1320. If you're just tuning in, we appreciate you for being with us. If you've been with us all day, we appreciate you. As well, let's go back to Devonta Sabonis here for a moment. He's listed as questionable uh, for tonight's game. Do you think the Kings are playing this safe, recognizing if you miss these two Denver games, and they're obviously tough games to miss, but they're back-to-back, 
you can stretch till Friday, and Kenny and I were, I we have no idea what this means. But if he got hurt Friday, is able to get a week under his belt before playing his first game because the next one would be Friday versus Utah. Do you think they're 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 trying to just give him as much like initial ramp up as they possibly can without? You know, putting him in. You know, I, I use the example of Devin Booker. It's probably not fair. Devin Booker came back for like a minute and a half, uh, and then was ruled out again for another month. And obviously, that's a situation that Sacramento can't afford with Domas. So, do you think they're they're just trying to play this thing safe? No, I think when it comes to this specific injury, it's about pain management initially. It's about getting the swelling down, and you know, sort of. And he had, he had some sort of. He had something on last night. Yeah, he had a glove on, on I, I think. A, oh, okay. Yeah, some sort of glove. Uh, Sean zoomed in on it at one point. Of yeah, course he did. He was wearing With a glove. With his, like, 900-megapixel camera that yeah. he zooms in and still is somehow in 4K. <laughs> yeah, he does He does amazing work. And he's he's done it for so long. And he's done a good job of, of teaching uh, your your guy, Matt, <laughs> Matty Ice. Matty <laughs> McQueen. Matty McQueen. Um, yeah, he. you know, those guys, like their cameras are crazy. Yeah. I don't like watching the game through a, a lens like that. Um, anyway, uh, he was- It is more... a unique talent. Like they, like I've, I've looked oh, yeah. at some of Matt's clips. Like, I mean, obviously Sean is tremendous. Looked at some of Matt's clips. Like they're really on top of it with those cameras, which- yeah, and we're like eighty yards away. Yeah, we're pretty. We're not close. Strike. Yeah, no, and then from the bench, strike. like yeah. a long way away. Yeah, my my iPhone can't do that. <laughs> it can't do it. They those those. No, guys not at all. Um, yeah, but when it comes to Sabonis, like, look, everything that I heard was that he he wants to get back on the court as soon as possible. The Kings want him back on the court as soon as possible, and there was sort of like he's going to be listed as questionable for Game One of this, but don't be surprised if he's back for like quicker than than you expect um so and it's not like booker where i think he can do more damage very specifically like he snapped the the bone off Uh, so the ligament is is hanging loose in there just chilling already off (laughs) it can't can't be any more off off. (laughs) yeah so if he had like a partial tear of the ligament itself not the bone but the, the the ligament itself and you had a partial tear then you could worry about him doing more damage, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about this thing is it snapped off at the bone. I guess that's what I don't understand. So, like, it snapped off, right? Like, how does it magically go back together without surgery? Well, the bone can reattach itself. Like, it, they're going to tape tape it and pin it in place as long as they can and try to get the I really bone. hate when you say pin it in place because, that mm. God, that sounds just terrible. Well, that's not Ouch. even – I'm not even saying drop a pin in it. Um, <laughs> I'm saying they're going to tape that thing to where it goes yeah. and, and hope that it reattaches itself. Oh, man. Uh, but at the Ooh. same time, like, this isn't – it's a weird injury. Like, if it mm-hmm. were – a rupture or if it were a tear, like he would have been out for a long time because it's broken off the bone, you know, will it cause him to not have the same squeeze in his, in his right hand? Yeah. He won't be able to like grab the basketball in the same way that he has in the past. Um, but that's where him being left-handed actually does come into play. And you know, the fact that he does everything with both hands, like he's a two handed rebounder, um, you know, I think it does actually help him as well. So three o'clock hour in February, j- j- night after a game, James Scott, <laughs> Simonis just doesn't have the same squeeze since the injury. Yeah, <laughs> just, just yeah, have the same squeeze. 
<laughs> yeah. Sass brings up uh, another injury here, which is mallet finger, um, which Ooh, I actually— are making stuff up. No, I actually that? had Isn't a conversation Isn't that like here. foot or something like no, that? No, a mallet finger? finger is literally like this. The tip of your finger goes like this and gets stuck. Just like that. Oh, that's Russell what? Wilson. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I remember. I was yeah. going to say, why do I? Why do I remember this? So I was in LA on uh, covering. I think it was Team USA, and my wife called me and said we had a the pug was a puppy. Hey, he went to the bathroom on the floor, and I was cleaning up his his urine with a with a uh, towel, and I caught my finger on the carpet and it stuck, and I'm like, what do you mean it stuck? So she takes a picture, and her fingertip <laughs> is just bent. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, my first instinct, well, you're going to have to grab it and just pull down as hard as you can and have it drop back. You dislocated it. That's not what it was. It was mallet finger, uh, which I, I having a conversation here uh, with, I think, with Rich Ripley. And he he talked about Rich mallet finger. seems like the type of guy who just want to sit down and discuss mallet finger. Yeah, we were discussing. It was yesterday. <laughs> we were discussing mallet finger. Can you explain to me how this came up? Like, how does mallet finger come up in because your day-to-day conversation? We were talking about Savonis's injury because it's, you know, a, a different type of hand injury. So it's weird. You do this job long enough and, you know, like, oh, oh, he's got like an adductor strain. You're like, all right, well, I know what that is. That's not good. And like, it's in your mind. Okay, well, that's you know, three to four weeks probably. Like you have almost every single injury logged in your head about how long, you know, oh, it's a MCL sprain, uh, six to six to eight weeks or, uh, you know, dislocated shoulder or, or, you know, whatever the injury is. We get a timeline for mallet finger? Well, Russell Wilson was back in four weeks, five weeks. Okay, but the typical though is two months in and they have this little piece of plastic Oh yeah, you explained this. Before. It has a brace on the back, and it has a it. It's a little thing that comes around with a little cup, and it holds your finger back in place. And the second you pull it off, your finger goes and starts bending, and you're like, "All right, it's not ready yet." <laughs> yeah, no, that was the that was the um, the tweet. <laughs> Russell Wilson tweet pins out. Pins out. That's right. Oh, See now. Oh, that's right. If you're an NFL player, they're going to go in and they're going to set that thing. They're going to put. They are going to put a pin in it. But those pins, like they can, like remove those very quickly. Yeah. Well, um, tell me how Mark Davis can see an out of bounds play from 30 feet away. How about that? <laughs> the injury talk gets me every time. There were some late calls in that game. There really some were. Really yeah, those, on both those, sides. Those whistles, I, yeah. And I don't necessarily think they were wrong, but they were late. You're like, what are you doing? Like, you, you all Well, like down Kenny there. said, the call, the Rashawn Holmes call wasn't wrong. It was just, how the hell did you see it? Yeah, the guy standing that. four feet said it's out on Denver, it's Sacramento's ball, Mark, and you come walking in from over where Mark, Jordy Fernandez Mark is Mark Davis was sitting next to damn James Ham. I thought there were the two or three times where they looked up and got the ruling off the scoreboard. That's In that game mm. specifically, I thought guys are like, Jeez. You know, looking up because, you know, the scoreboard has like those giant screens. But if you're sitting down low, there are TVs underneath mm-hmm. that you can see. Well, no, those are Kenny seats. Wait, what, thank those you. Are like, Kenny like, seats. This, 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 what are you talking about? I'm sitting next to James Ham every day. <laughs> Cash money Kenny over here sitting in the second row. <laughs> That's right. And he's going to point at us. 
courtside Kenny. Fifteen hundred dollars right. for those Lakers seats this week. You look up weekend. and their their TVs. I think that there were a couple of times where they actually looked up, oh, and I've never thought that with an official that they looked up and saw something, and I was like, oh, that's. That was late. That's like five seconds late. Guys are getting ready for the inbounds play, and you reverse the call. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Rough. Yeah, nah, it's just I, I. I still can't get over that one that we're talking about, Mark. And I. So they got it right. I think they got it right. You can see uh, the Rashawn's finger bend a little bit with the oh, contact. Yeah, yeah. So I think they got it right. There is no way Mark Davis saw that. Damian pointed out. He just did that because Denver went up in arms about everything. Like, that's the only – you didn't see that clearly. Yeah, but on the other end, they called one that was just as egregious, and they did the same thing. Oh, they, they, like, they did it for the Kings, too? Yeah, when you like, talk about late calls and yeah. seeing if somebody well, – I don't I care when it happens in the Kings' favor. It's a great point. <laughs> it's a great point. No, I only care when it – only care when it enters the Kings. Uh, what do you think of Rashawn's – return last night and push shot back at G1C and all those different I thought I thought Rashawn I, I, I want to point this out you know Kenny you, you said this regarding to me as K to James you get fixated on the five of five you get fixated on the points I thought Rashawn was good defensively uh, I thought he coached as I imagined Mike Brown was telling him uh, to play, he or he he played defense the way he was coached, the way Mike Brown is telling him. You could see him almost in an exaggerated fashion have his chest out when trying to guard Nikola Jokic, which is something Mike Brown, Doug Christie scream about regularly. Is to play like that. How did you think Rashawn played last night? Yeah, he got called on one foul that was so incredibly pathetic. Yeah, it was bad. There were I know so, exactly which one you're talking about. I mean, he had a, a like four inches of separation between their chests. And he was back, and Jokic flailed backwards, and they called the foul. And you're like, oh, come on. Like, that's why I really do hate the replay system. Like, give them extra challenges. It doesn't really slow down the game that much. Make these guys make quicker decisions. I guess maybe they yeah, don't have enough people. It, what's that? I was saying, that's the biggest thing. Make them make a quicker decision. Like, yeah. It shouldn't take three minutes. I'm watching at home. Yeah, but I it's not the happened. officials on the court that are making the call. It's back in Secaucus. Yeah, them too. Like, yeah. <laughs> they see the same thing I see. Probably you got to hire better. more people. Come on, man. 45 seconds. We see what's going on here. Yeah, it's crazy. And in, in Secaucus, they have like an entire wall of TVs that has every camera angle from every game playing at the same time. And I was told, hey, just so you know, like when you step in front of a camera, it's always live back here. It may not be live on TV, but it's live. So... Don't say anything funny. <laughs> Don't, you know, like, just just know oh, that I when you're you. on the court. Mm-hmm. So they're that, getting a direct feed from the NBA the, is getting arena. a direct feed and they hear everything. They can see everything that's going on. So because I have, you know, like I've been doing this so long that there were people that knew me when I was, you know, running cowbell years ago and like would come up and just like, oh, man, I was walking by the monitors and I saw you getting ready for your TV hit. And I was like, oh, sweet. James is coming on. And so, just interesting, but yeah, you're Applying always... your makeup and everything before, because yeah. you, you thought you weren't live. No, I don't do the makeup thing, but yeah. James, too good for makeup. <laughs> well, not all of us are perfect in front of the camera, Ham. <laughs> Sorry, Rashawn. Yeah, I, I, well, hey, like, I'll point this out, too. Um, I was walking out of the tunnel um, right after, like, it, I left the locker room, so it was 6.15, I was walking out of the tunnel, 
And I look next to me and it's his parents. And, you know, I, I stopped and said, hey, to both his mom and his dad, like, good to see you guys. And and so his family was in the building. His uh, One of his brothers, at least one of his brothers was there. His son was there. It, it's good. It, you know, like he needs to have some positivity going on. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy who, like, look, he was a very good player for the Sacramento Kings. Mm-hmm. If he can get right, he could be one of the answers to, for this team. But he's got to get right, and he's got to like start thinking the way that that Mike Brown thinks on the court, and how Mike Brown wants him to think. And that's been the biggest issue. It's just the learning curve is different for everybody, especially for a player who just doesn't play this style. It's not his style. I mean, we see it with Davion too. There are moments, even last night, where I counted. I think one play he had sixteen dribbles. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Mike Brown was like throwing stuff at his TV from home. You know, he was. Yeah. So. Hey, we um, fourth one. Okay, um, about that situation, Rashawn Holmes, Terrence Davis, coach's decision, uh, DMP. I talked about it earlier. Do you? Is it unusual the rotations or the lack of consistency for maybe the back end the rotation for playing like Terrence Davis? plays 30 minutes one game and then doesn't play for two straight games. Or, you know, Rashawn, the whole thing with the backup centers where Metu was getting playing and he hasn't played in I don't know how many games. And Rashawn Holmes, getting, is is that normal across the NBA? Or is this a little unique to the way the coaching staff is handling the rotations right now? No, it's it's very normal. Like I remember my first head coach was Paul Westfall and we sat down and we talked about this because – you know, guys were going from starting lineup to not playing for five games. And he said, like, look, just because a guy is is losing his, his job as a starter doesn't mean he's going to lose. He's going to just bump the guy that's behind him and we're going to put someone else in. He's like, plus, a lot of times the guy that you have on the bench is playing really well in his role. And you don't want to move him up to starter mm-hmm. because someone else is struggling. You want to keep him there and let him thrive in his role. And that means that the guy who's starting is going to go to the end of the line. And the guy who's sitting on the bench is going to go in there and play the starter minutes. And again, starter minutes is like the Kings only have a couple of players that play starter minutes, you know, that play 33, 34 minutes a game. And so like, is it totally typical for something like this? Not every team does it that way. But like Paul told me one time, he said, you will never find a team with their best five players in their starting lineup. Never. Like, they always have someone on their bench that's better than one of their starters or maybe even better than two of their starters. Mm-hmm. But you need that consistency. You need the strength all the way through. Um, and, and it really does depend on, like, style of play. Like, we could, you know, debate all day long who is a better NBA player, Malik Monk or Kevin Herter. But we know that Kevin Herter is a better fit as a starter, and we know Malik Monk is a better reserve for this specific team. Mm -hmm. That could change, you know, going to a different situation or by having a different point guard, but it is kind of the way it goes. And then if you go to this game, this series right here with Denver specifically, like Terrence Davis is going to have a tough time getting on the court because their small forward is 6'10", 6'11", and Michael Porter Jr., so I understood why Casey Akpala, he only played three minutes, but I understood why he was in the game. Mm-hmm. And I also thought that the previous couple of games, I would have liked to have seen Casey Akpala try to defend uh, Kelly Oubre. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have liked to have seen him 
in the Washington game when Rui Hachimura is taking you to the, you know, out to the woodshed, mm. like there there were moments where you needed somebody who was different, and Terrence can't do that at six four. He can't go up against Rui Hachimura, who's six eight six nine and like two thirty. Mm-hmm. That's just not going to work. So it's really just with Terrence. Probably Terrence and KZ situational, situational basketball. The same thing with Trey Lyles. It's just, it's situational because Trey Lyles doesn't play every game either. Like yeah. there was a stretch where he didn't play like two or three games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's very specific that they're all lumped into that eight and a half. Nine, That's probably different for Trey now, right? Because Sabonis is out. Like you need. Yeah, you while need he's to, out. Yeah, you, we're we're gonna see any game Sabonis is out. We're probably gonna see Trey Lyles. Well, yeah, but you could even say, like, look, Alex Len could, if if Sabonis doesn't play tonight, Alex Len could start again tonight and probably would start again. But who's next up on the docket? And would Alex Len be a good start against that team? Alex Len could not play at all. Sure. And so you're really going to have to play one game to the next on what you're doing. And it's that whole back end of the rotation. So it doesn't matter if a guy's starting or not. They're still, like, in the same spot in the rotation. They're still at the back end of the rotation. And so, you know, it, it's going to change from one night to the next. And it's after you get past Davion Mitchell and Malik Monk, that's your top seven guys. So your eight, nine, and sometimes 10th guy are going to be rotating. And Mike Brown's talked about it quite a few times. Alex, the right call? Yeah. I mean, okay. that last time I, I mean, he gave up two points to that, that monster in the first mm-hmm. half. Mm-hmm. And I thought he he just wasn't that Jokic wasn't being aggressive, and he started to get him a little bit there in the third. Uh, but I also thought there were some horrible foul calls early in the third that kind of you know took the wind out of Alex Lynn's sails, yeah. and then you went to someone different, and then then it was a mad scramble with a young coach. It felt like Denver said something to the officials because when they got when Alex Lynn picked up those fouls, I feel like Rashawn got called for a couple pretty quickly too. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, so we came out of halftime where officials were like, "Hey, you know, the two-time MVP's getting it's getting pushed around down there. Can you guys keep an eye on it?" I'm sure they said it much nicer. And 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 all the while he can drop the shoulder from hell right in the chest of Alex Lynn and <laughs> nothing happens. Like what what the hell was that? How was that not an offensive foul? That guy sells it too, man. He's, oh yeah, he is so good, but he sells. It. I mean, he like sneaky near triple double, right? Every game. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like every game he does that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a sixty twenty one ten uh, triple double, but they're in, they're pretty freaking impressive triple doubles yeah. that he drops. Yeah, yeah. I, he's still the like I looked like two days ago. Um, he's number one in win shares. Uh, uh, Luca is number two, and uh, Sabonis is number three in win shares in the Luca's, NBA. Luca's finished to the last night's game. Last night's regulation was just ridiculous. Well, and then even like it's so typical oh. of him. Like I need a, I need a beer, you know, a recovery beer. Right? That's what he called it. He did. He called it a recovery beer. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. had a few recovery beers in his life. You can tell. <laughs> It was, it, was, it was a hell of a finish last yeah, night. Yeah, you can oh, you can goodness. have a, you, 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 I, I don't know that I'd go beer. I might I might go a bottle of wine or some McQueen in the Violet Fog or some Luke Belair or something. But he 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 definitely earned it. Where do you stand, James? You're a historian, a a <laughs> a, a, uh, a history major. Where do you stand on Wilt Chamberlain's 100 point performance? 
Like, what do you mean? Where do I stand? Like, did it happen or? No, I, I this this is this isn't you know uh, Oliver Stone movie making here. Like, I, I believe the hundred point game happened, but there was a discussion on a television show this morning where one of the people on the the, the show was just adamant that the greatest single season performance in history was Wilt Chamberlain's hundred point game. And my argument is, how the hell do you know? There's no video of it. Apparently, there's audio of a fourth quarter. There's a singular picture of him holding it up. Red Auerbach trashed it. <laughs> Bill Russell was like, ha, 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 ha. He finally did it. All of this, it, 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 it appears to be, the more that we've dug into this dur- during the show, that this 100-point game from Will Chamberlain is absolute nonsense. Oh my God. And anyone who frames it as, as, as one of the great single-season performances or regular-season performances in history is goofy because they didn't see it. You're this guy. Unless you can find somebody who was there at the game, I need it explained to me. This, 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 this whole thing is just silly. <laughs> the whole the whole thing surrounding this Will Chamberlain 100-point game is silly. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, look, if he scored 100, he scored 100. It is what it is. You can't take it away from him. I'm not um, trying to take it away from him. I'm yeah. just saying it's not the great it's not the greatest single game performance of all time. Yeah, I mean without seeing it, like no, it, no it, exactly. Yeah. Nobody's seen it. So yeah. anybody who makes that claim well, is 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 hot taking too hard. There's people who have seen it. Are are they alive? Maybe not. What year? Okay, then no, then nobody has seen it. Nobody having this discussion There's has seen historical it. Historical documents saying we were there, the NBA's trash, nobody cares about it. But yeah, it happened. And and no one and none of those people are here to talk about it. All those people got their tickets for free. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait I, I do. Minute. I do. Who's wonder, here to talk about World War One? Like, who? <laughs> well, who's having a discussion about the greatest world war of all time? Like, hey, who's the greatest general in American history? There's a different channel where that's happening, but <laughs> you're not watching that channel. I'm just saying. It's, <laughs> it's not true. the one with the wrestlers on it. It's oh. a different one. <laughs> I love that you said wrestlers. Wrestlers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, look, if you're going to go back and look at games like that, it's really, really hard because half the guys he's playing against are just, like, by today's 5-11. standards. Yeah, five eleven. Red or, back said he's playing against nobodies. Yeah, and, and what's he officiating like? And <laughs> well, like, we'll there's drop a lot sixty more on their it. head every time they play. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more to it. Like, but you know, if you put Jordan in their era, how would he fare? If you you put Jordan in this area era, how would he fare? Like, you're always going to look at these guys in different ways. And I think Wilt would have been a transcendent player regardless of what era he was in. And so, uh, you know. You can look at that particular game through like a lens if you want to, but at the same time, like he would have been dominant in any era, and Bill Russell would have been incredible in any era. You know, Bill um, Russell would fit with Mike Brown's Kings. Yeah, stretch the floor a little bit, big guy who can move. Yeah, athletic. Yeah, as Charles likes to say, athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're terrible. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, Will Chamberlain, hundred point game. It's it's the greatest single game oh, of all time. You don't even mean that. Look at this. I do. Why is don't go, wipe that stupid look off your face? It's you don't greatest, even mean that. How is it not? The man you scored don't 100. mean that. So did Lisa Leslie and Cheryl Miller. That's not in the NBA. Okay. You you, you don't even mean what you're saying. And That's that was why you got that Jordan High School grin on your face. You don't mean that. No, it is. No. Now so, it's not the greatest I've seen because I haven't seen it. 
Nobody has. That's the point. No one has seen it. No one living has seen this. It still happens. I can see a video of Dr. King talking about he had a dream, but I can't see a video of Will Chamberlain score well, 100 points. They said the NBA was trash. Well, they we know, did. Well, we know why they didn't cover the NBA. We do they know told why. it. They told us all. They told us in that little article why they yeah, didn't we, cover we, the we, NBA. It's very clear why they didn't cover the <laughs> yeah. NBA. Um, but it's you know a little too dark I in those arenas. For I haven't her. seen it. That was for Philly too. Philly won. <laughs> Man, can you imagine a, a sports league was too dark for Philadelphia? <laughs> God Almighty! They said they said at the time that Chamberlain scored that the uh, NBA wasn't even considered a major sport yet. Because what they say, so, nobody so, wants to see so, these giants so, stuff a ball into a basket. That's so. So we've established two things. Uh, three, Red Auerbach is a piece of crap. <laughs> two, Will Chamberlain's one hundred point performance is whatever. And Jesse, we're knocking off at least eleven titles <laughs> from the Boston Boston Celtics. Weren't if, if those aren't even those aren't even real titles according to well if. Kenny can give the 49ers all of those titles. That's right. Well, you no, can just take that's right. You can I just didn't take give them. Away. The that's Niners right. are five-time Super Bowl champions. I'm saying they should be 10. And and the Celtics are a solid 8. Not 7. 8. 7. Those banners all count the same. We're count, we're keeping them. All right. Mm-hmm. They all count the same. All right. Oh no, man. Oh no. Wasn't even a major oh, no. sport. <laughs> that so I, I I I I can't for some reason I can't bring myself to close this page. I encourage everybody when you have time before tonight's game start, search Wilt Chamberlain's 100 point game and just go to the Wikipedia page because mm. the Wikipedia page is where we found all those newspaper quotes. Mm. I only read a couple of them. There's a lot more in there that you can go back and read. I'm about to check it out, man, because I need to know. You're gonna more feel about like I game. did. Yeah, you're gonna feel. Yeah, because it's the only way we find out. This might as well be World War One. They have pictures. No, I. They have a picture. No, they have a couple pictures. Allegedly, people rushing the floor congratulating them. It's, it's allegedly. <laughs> that might have been a different game. That might have been when he averaged. He, he, hey, you just secured forty-eight point five minutes per game. <laughs> Will now Wilt is is the little fibber because he's like, yeah, they stopped the game with forty-five seconds just because they rushed the the, the the court, and then people were like, no, okay. we have. We have okay. audio of them I, I, okay. finishing the game. I, I got a picture here. He rushed the court. There's three white people standing next to him, patting him on the ass. There's three people. Who's talking about rushed the court? There's three people right there. Well, they finished the game, too. Wilt said they oh, didn't wait, finish the game. Oh, wait. Here's another picture. Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I got I to I stop. I got to <laughs> stop looking at this stuff. That's a hell of a picture right there. But. NBA audience. Was this game in Utah? <laughs> I don't know. We'll come back. Uh, it, I'm going to try to get James Ham to stay because I feel like he's going to throw something at me. So we'll come back. We've looked back at last night's game. Let's look ahead to tonight's. Uh, the Kings and the Nuggets again tonight. We'll talk about it with James Ham when we return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. D-Lo and Casey. d and Casey continues on ESPN 1320. It felt like they had a moment in that doc where they people were giving different heights. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I don't think they ever came to a solution. Because WWE always said Andre the Giant was 7'5". And on, clearly man. he's not 7'5". We're looking at a picture <laughs> on, of Will Chamberlain. In, 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 uh, <laughs> well, they used to say Hogan was 6'8". And, like, I have a picture next to Hulk Hogan. Now, I know Hulk Hogan. Hogan actually looks pretty tall, though. What is he? He's probably 6'4", 6'5". But I met him the first time. The first time I took a picture with him, he he was probably a couple of back surgeries in. Mm-hmm. So he he could have gotten small. You know, you mm-hmm. My mom, I noticed my mom has gotten smaller. She's gotten older. Like it happens as you get older, you yeah. get smaller. But uh, I don't think Hogan was ever six eight. Andre was definitely never seven five. He said seven five. <laughs> but I'm looking I think, at the picture with Will Chamberlain. Andre, Andre's tall. Like he's tall dude. He's probably about six. What the thing with so. Andre were like his, like his hands. Yeah. Like his, he was just his proportions were. Yeah. Like I met the Big Show and like that is a. He's incredibly large yeah yeah he is a he's he's one of those he's one of those he's like when you see Shaq mm. like wow that's that guy is just different well, I was we were at the game on Friday I had that thought with Porzingis I was looking at Porzingis and I was like man like what do you do with that guy and then especially like I think back to you know early unicorn Porzingis before you know the injuries like dude this dude you see how big he is and he can handle. He can shoot a little bit. Like, what do you do with this dude? Porzingis. I, I was. I think that was the first time I'd ever seen him before. He, he's on a tall Friday. Dude. Yeah, mm. he's a tall dude. But but I've covered so many super tall guys. I like I've told you guys. I think Aaron Gray was one of the bigger human beings I've ever been around. Mm. He was just like trim. He was so broad and like he was a gigantic dude. And uh, and then Taco Fall when Taco Fall came <laughs> through for pre-draft. Taco. You're just looking at like because we had Sim Bular here in Sacramento, and Sim was just kind of like, again, he. I don't think Sim still has like ever done a sit up in his life. Um, like he doesn't have like a core at all, so he's just kind of this, <laughs> this just the coreless center, <laughs> gigantic dude. Um, but like Taco Fall is, I mean, he's like this wide. I yeah. mean, he's a huge man. Taco um, Fall absolutely looks like a professional wrestler. Because he could do he's it. Got he'd be the next Omos. Tag team partner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got the name for it for sure. So. Taco. Yeah, Taco works. Celtics legend, Taco Fall, Taco by Fall, the way. Okay. What What can the Kings carry over from last night? Um, you know, it's kind of a good news, bad news thing. You lost last night. You probably feel like you did some things well if you're, if you're Jordy in that group. And... You've got another opportunity to right the ship, get things right, walk away with a split with Denver. Uh, I think there was a lot of good that we saw last night. There was some great. There was some bad. What 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 can Jordy take away? What what can that group take away from last night's game to to kind of build on tonight? Yeah, I think you can take away that you were in it all the way until the final three minutes of the game, and you didn't shoot the ball well. You know, they didn't pass the ball well. They finished with, like, what, 19 assists? Yeah, it was bad. Like, that offense did not work the way it was supposed to work. And I think defensively they were better than, you know, you really thought. But Mm -hmm. I also thought, you know, like, they talked about it. Jordy talked about in pregame that we're going to run, we're going to do what we do, and that's not what I saw at all. Like, that team, they did not run. They did not push the tempo. They slowed it down every step of the way, and that's why it was 96-96 with three and a half minutes left. So, like, I would actually like to see them, like, put the foot on the gas. Mm-hmm. 
I'd like to see De'Aaron Fox play 38 minutes and try to go for a win. Um, and be aggressive you know. at, at the tip rather than at the four, fourth quarter, start of the fourth quarter, because that's where I felt like he got most aggressive. Whereas, you, you know, and, and I guess it's a, it's a double-edged sword here. The team was playing well. They built a 20-point lead, albeit briefly, but they did. The offense was, was performing well. And De'Aaron was kind of on the outskirts of that, being more of a facilitator than everything, than, than anything else. And then it was in the fourth quarter where he got aggressive offensively. Yeah, I mean, even in the third quarter, he started to get downhill. I remember, mm-hmm. I think at halftime he had seven points. He finished with 26, so he scores 19 in the second half. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about De'Aaron as if he didn't have a good night yeah. last night. Like he, in, yeah. he did. I mean, 10 of 17 also, or, or 10 of 16, 16 maybe. Yeah. But your argument was... That that's not a, that's not enough uh, and then, shot attempts. It may I'd like to hear what you got to say because this may go against um, just how you perceive basketball. But I need more than sixteen shots from De'Aaron Fox. No, I'm with you. I need like in that situation with no yeah. Sabonis. I need twenty three shots. Well, and that's why I brought up Luca. It's like I don't expect De'Aaron to go for for sixty, but man. You put gotta, you back. gotta be at thirty-five or forty. You gotta mm-hmm. put the threat. They have to. What you needed from Fox was for all of the attention on the Denver side to go to you because you were unstoppable. Mm-hmm. That's what you needed. Because if you can do that, then your teammates have an opportunity to get better looks. Mm-hmm. Your teammates have an opportunity to shine, to get to the basket easier. You need to draw all the attention, and it can't. You know, whether it's Contavious Caldwell Pope or whoever they throw at him, it, like he has to be able to get past them. And we saw it in at like moments where he started doing like his his breaky down off the dribble move. He started oozing and ahs from the crowd, mm-hmm. you know, but he, you just needed more of it. You needed it from the opening tip. You needed him to be a dominant player. And I thought he eased his way into the game. And without Sabonis there, man, you can't ease your way into the game. And the other thing I'll point out, like, <clears throat> the points are fine, 26 points, you know, an inefficient 26 points. Mm-hmm. What do you have, four assists? Mm-hmm. Five assists, maybe? Oh. Like, that's not enough. Like, if you're going to put this team on your back, you got to do it. You you have to say, okay, this is my time. I'm going to step in and have your, you know, your moment where, you show that you're the all-star that that everyone thinks that you are. Jump into the role and see how it goes. I mean, this season alone, how many guys have we seen score in the 40s? Like, there was one night, what was it, the night before Christmas Eve, like Friday night, where it's like R.J. Barrett scores 44, <laughs> Lucas scores 50. Like, he, uh, uh, James Harden had that crazy game where he yeah, had 20, James Harden had a ball game. 20 yeah. assists, right? Yeah. To go with, and yeah, a triple-double. yeah. Yeah, so there was one night where all of these guys are having these like incredible nights. Well, like, look, Demonis Sabonis is gone. So whatever De'Aaron Fox has been doing, you need to have him do like that plus an additional twenty five percent during this time. That's you basically got De'Aaron the entire season. You know, yeah. twenty six and and four, twenty six and five. Got to be more. You know. Yeah. No, I I, I agree a hundred percent. Definitely capable of it. Like you said, the weird thing about it was didn't play bad last night. Even even we talk about the, the turnovers at the end of the game. Uh, what do you have, 11 points in the fourth quarter? Four of six, three of three from beyond the arc. Like he he was playing well. It was just, you know, those couple plays. And, you know, like I said, probably want to see more aggression in that fourth quarter out of him. 
Um, but those couple couple of turnovers. What type of aggression? Ruthless Thank aggression. You. I'm so happy you picked ruthless, up on that. Ruthless aggression. <laughs> Love to see ruthless aggression from De'Aaron tonight against the Denver Nuggets. Absolutely. We've gone back and forth on this in in some passionate discussions today. You talked about De'Aaron racking up more assists or needing to have more assists. And part of the reason, you, you know, maybe not having analyzed, and part of the reason he didn't, might have been the fact that the three wasn't falling for this team at all. Is the Sacramento Kings' success predicated on whether they make three-pointers or not? It shouldn't be, but, I mean, a lot of times it has become that. Um, You know, this is a good, not great three-point shooting team. And, again, like— They were a great three-point shooting team at one point. When Kevin Herter was shooting 54% from (laughs) three, sure. But with Kevin Herter shooting 41 and— you know, I was looking at it earlier. Uh, Barnes is still – he's over 30%. He's at 30.5. Uh, Keegan's at 38%. Yeah, he did. Uh, but Monk is down to 33%. Fox is down around 33%. Herter, again, over his last, I'd say, month, he's probably at 32%, dragging that 54% down. Like, this team should be better at it, but then there are nights where they just keep shooting. You know, I think Will Z put up a stat earlier about wide open threes, and they they shot like twenty three percent on wide open threes. They're getting the looks. They're getting the spray three is, is something that they you know you break the defense down. You get in the lane. You find a guy in the perimeter, and you get wide open looks. They're just not hitting them. They're not hitting them at a high enough clip. And you know, like I, what does this team need? They need a they need another shooter. They need a shot blocker, a rim protector. Um, they need, and hopefully you can get that in one player, you know, sort of a, a three and D three or three and D four. Um, but you know, that's, it's a need on this team. Every team in the league needs more shooting, uh, Davion Mitchell shooting right around 30% from three. Like these are your rotational guys. They've got to shoot better. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's where, where I come with it is, you know, they've, they, this is who they are right now. If you add pieces, you know, to the roster and you add certain players, then, yeah, maybe you can change up who you are. But they're not this, you know, really good defensive team. They're an opportunistic defensive team. They don't have a lot of guys that can break down the defense one-on-one, get mid-range pull-ups, get to the bucket, get to the foul line. They don't have a lot of those guys. Like, you look at just the starters, Herter, um, Keegan Murray, and – Harrison Barnes, he won't break you down. He's going to find ways to get to the free throw line sometimes, but it's not consistent. But those three or five starters, those are, you know, the receiving guys. Like they catch and shoot or they catch and finish a different way. So as they are, I just think that's, you know, their strategy is they've got to be able to hit the three ball, got the number of 12 plus or whatever. But I also think it's all intertwined and everything because when they're able to hit the three, um, the assist number goes up. Uh, they play at a faster pace. And, you know, especially at home, they start to get the crowd involved and things of that nature. So they're all intertwined. And, you know, it's a chicken or the egg type situation. What comes first, the assist or the threes? I mean, it's just it doesn't really matter. They just both have to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I've i watched too many games this season where, especially in the last couple of weeks, where, you know, their first 10 shots, eight or nine or three-point attempts, 
And that's because the other yeah. team is saying, we don't think you're good enough at, mm-hmm. at the three ball. You go ahead and keep shooting that thing, and, and we'll catch up to you eventually if you hit a few. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. And they haven't hit them. And, and so that's even a bigger issue. Like if you're not going to start a game, you know, four or five from ten, uh, you know, from three, then you're digging yourself a hole. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a good offensive rebounding team. It's one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the league. So that tells you that those those long three-point attempts, a lot of times they're leading to transition buckets on the other end. And so you got to figure out a way to get to the basket and get more shots in the paint. I know last night. I thought they did that last night. Early in the game, they were up a ton. It was something like 42 to 26 mm-hmm. points in the paint, mm-hmm. and then it ended up being almost a tie, like 56 mm-hmm. to 52 points in the paint. I, I think that's what it was right around there. And that's something where, you know, they allowed the other team to dictate what was going to happen. 54-52. Yeah, 54-52. Yeah. yeah, so it, they allowed the, the opposition to dictate what they're going to do in the second half. Mm. And it's one of the, you know, I think this team has done a nice job of making adjustments at halftime coming out, giving you different looks, and, and being better than they were in the first half. That just wasn't the case last night. Yeah. I think that is one of the things that can carry over the way that they played in the mid-range. I do think there's some elements to their defense that can carry over in this game as well. I thought some things that they were doing really well in the first half seemed to not exist in the second half. They were contesting and closing out on a lot of threes in the first half, and it felt like those wide-open threes for Denver came in the second half. Mm-hmm. And We'll get angry. Where- I mean that you just showed. I don't know that this team's capable of that. Yeah, but you showed yourself last night that you're in the game against Denver, that you can hang with Denver with Michael Porter Jr. literally throwing like things off his his back foot from thirty feet out. Mm-hmm. So get angry, come out with a different mentality, and and show this team that that you can hang with them. I mean that's you you were right there, like but show that you can do it for a full forty eight. Show that when you get up 20 that you can put a team away, that a 20-point lead feels like 20 and not 6 because that's what that felt like. You know, the old Utah mm-hmm. Jazz teams, when they got a 6-point lead on you and five minutes left in the fourth, you were done. Like, they were just going to systematically destroy you. The whole They weren't going to miss enough baskets for you to catch up. That's just not the way the Kings, you feel like. Like, they can let someone back in. They can also catch up. They can, mm-hmm. you know, wipe out a 20-point lead really quickly. Mm-hmm. But... You know, when you got a twenty point lead in the first half, you need to you need to hold on to it. And and that's not a moment to start playing. And that's what I saw. Like I think Herter finally got a, like a couple of threes to go down the first half. He hits a three and then they pull him. Like, no no, give him a longer leash. He just hit one. He hit two. Let him roll. Let him catch fire. L- let's see what happens. Let's see if you can bump that lead up to twenty five, twenty six. That's when you start seeing white flags being waved. You know, um, I, I hope this comes off the right way because I mean this in an absolute positive way. But tonight, I need the Golden One Center crowd to kind of get these guys going. Now they got to get you something to you know cheer about. And we were there on Friday. These guys tried to will them oh, on Friday. Oh, they tried like they, hell, it, man. It, it, it's not. They didn't lose last night because the Golden One Center wasn't turned up. Like they were ready to go. But teams kind of kind of railing a little bit, just a little bit. You know, I, I need I need a raucous environment. I need, you know, one of the I need an environment, and this may be asking too much because it's Denver and not Detroit or Indiana. But I need to go to one center to look like at the start of the game, like it did for those two games. People was 
people were unhinged at the start of those games during tip-off. I, I want the same thing tonight. Go to one center. Come on now. Come on. Let's wow. get these guys going. Kenny, Kenny, just, Kenny just said, oh, my God! He wants y'all to go at Mike Malone tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, boo Mike Malone hey, all night. Hey, I mean, you definitely don't boo Mike Malone, but Mike Malone be taking shots at Sacramento. Always. See, that's that's got to stop. He took a shot last night that was like, oh, Jesus, still. That's he what I'm still saying. took he last night. You know what he said last man. night? Which um, hat tip to my guy Chris Clark, who was media director in Sacramento for a long time. He said something. The effect was, well, your media. I mean, your injury report says Demontis Sabonis is questionable, but all your players that shoot around pretty much said he wasn't going to play. You know, we we need Chris Clark back in here. Damn, to clear things. Oh, that's I was that's like, that's, up. hey man, Mike, Mike been taking shots for a minute, and I like Mike, but I don't like that. He takes a lot of shots. But that ain't got he, nothing to do with. That's what, he, that's what I'm saying. Now. He's always taking shots. Every time he's ever come through after he was let go, he's taking massive shots mm-hmm. at the team. Um, a lot of times, like he he goes he goes a little wild, and yeah, I'm, he, I, I've seen him. He makes I've seen laugh. him. I've seen and, it, and, and I've seen it for over the years, man. And I'm just saying, like I like Mike, and I understand they got rid of you unjustly, you know. Yeah. And and I'd be salty about that too. But I'm on the other side right now. I don't like that. I'm just telling you, I don't like that, Mike. You got to chill. I'll say this too. Like I, I said this a couple of uh, like two weeks ago. If you want to catch a game, this is becoming the hottest ticket in town. Even though they're losing a couple of games right now, like I've been f- working all day to get my son tickets for tonight's game. We just landed him tickets right here at the last minute. Um, but like the ticket guys there, I mean, these are sellouts. They're legitimate sellouts. It's a legitimate packed house. Again, the biggest crowd ever in Golden One Center for a basketball game last night. Mm. Like, Get your tickets as early as possible if you want to catch games. And a big shout out to my guy Michael Michael Payton who came through, one of the Kings guys, uh, the Kings head ticket guys over there. Big ups, Michael. Wow, y'all got ticket guys, man. It must be nice if you if you're if you're, if you're like regular all, all, people. All ninety of the Barlings were at the game on Friday. If 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 you're regular people like <laughs> me, reunion, and and you'd like to uh, get tickets for a Saturday's game when Trista's here, Kyle Matson confirmed. Okay. Uh, uh, Olivia's going to be here. Uh, get them now, and you can pay five times as much as you will for tonight's <laughs> game. That's how it be. Yeesh. It was, yeah. So, so yeah, be. games are sold out. There's tickets available for the Laker ones. <laughs> uh, price tag is a smidge bit higher. Uh, anyone confident they win tonight? No, I'm not confident they win tonight. I don't know. I, I don't know. So, I'm not saying they're losing. Like, a lot of people, oh, we're going to lose tonight. I don't know about that. I'm just not confident they won tonight. I think it's a coin flip. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, if I knew where the soundbite was, I'd hit it because I, I just. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if. Uh, I, I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know because I like they. Are we getting another efficient twenty point performance from Jokic, mm. and not a thirty seven point performance? From Jokic. At the same time, what are we getting from Jamal Murray? We don't even know if Jamal Murray is playing tonight. Bruce Brown being out, that's, that's, that's for the entire – if he's out, that's a big – that's, a, that's a, yeah. that matters a lot. Matters. That matters to Jamal Murray if he's out. That matters a ton. He right. had some big shots And what do you – What do you, are you going to get another night from Michael Porter like mm-hmm. like he did last night? Is Smith going to be in there? Oh, God, he's back to haunt, haunt the Kings yeah, again. Yeah, that's what I saw him last night. I said, my God, my God, that's it. It's Smith. 
He threw one six rows deep. He did. Oh, my and God. He was terrible last night. <laughs> this was terrible. He, he, he almost killed that ball. Ma- Mama, I think I killed a man. <laughs> he yeah. threw that ball so far so into far. the crowd. I think the lion had to go, like, resuscitate somebody. <laughs> That's oh, not a good man. one. No, yeah, That's comedy. Yeah. Uh, all right. It's the Kings and the Nuggets tonight. We appreciate you so much for being with us. Uh, make sure you hit the thumbs up. Uh, before you go, uh, hit the subscribe buttons as well. If you're on YouTube or Twitch, if you're on Twitch, uh, hit the follow button. I think we're s- limping towards a thousand subscribers okay. on on, there, on, on Twitch. It's taking a while Let's over there, there, but uh, the YouTube number keeps flying, and that's because uh, you're hitting the thumbs up. We appreciate that. Make sure you check out the Kings Beat YouTube channel as well as the Kingsbeat uh, dot com. And whatever happens tonight, we'll be back. Uh, to cover it, our final show of the year. Go go home show. Indeed. <laughs> we really going home this time. <laughs> um, we'll be back here tomorrow at noon on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN. Go Kings! <laughs>